Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, how are you? This is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast. Welcome to episode 216. Today we have Mr. Richard, excuse me, and we have Coach Andrew Lacey. He's a head men's basketball coach at Richard Bland College of William and Mary. Andrew Lacey, who led Verina High School to the VHSL Class 5 State Championship in 2018 and three straight state championship appearances in 2017, 18, and 19, was named men's basketball coach at Richard Bland College of William and Mary. Widely regarded as one of the top scholastic coaches in Virginia, Lacey arrives at Richard Bland following six seasons at Bryan High School, where he built the program into a powerhouse, complying a record of 109 and 46, including a 51 and four mark the past two years. In 13 seasons as both the boys and girls scholastic head coach, Lacey has amassed a 188 and 101 career record which includes one state championship, two regional championships, and two conference championships. Lacey arrived at Verina High School in 2013 after two seasons at Hez Boys basketball coach at Pinecrest High School in Southern Pines, North Carolina. He posted a 6-15 record his first season at Verina, and then the Blue Devils cat- catapulted into one of the region's finest programs, highlighted by the 2018 Class 5 State Championship victory over Wakefield, 64-60, and a school record 38-game winning streak over two seasons. In both 2019 and 18, Lacey led Verina to the BHSL 5B Regional Championship and Conference Championships in 2015-16. In his six seasons at Verina, a total of 31 student-athletes have earned all-conference, all-region, and all-state recognition. Four players have been awarded scholarships to play intercollegiate, intercollegiate basketball. Lacey began his coaching career as a boys' head coach, Washington and Lee High School in Montrose, Virginia, in 2005. In his second season, the team compiled a 16-4 record, the best in five years. In 2007, he became head coach of the inaugural girls program at Skyline High School in Front Royal, Virginia. In 2009, Lacey led the Lady Hawks to a 13-13 record, the best mark for a team from Warren County in 28 years. The team earned a first-ever appearance in the Virginia AA Region 2 tournament and became the, con- the county's first participant since 1981. Lacey served as head coach at Stafford High School for two seasons before becoming the boys' basketball coach at Pinecrest High School. Lacey currently serves as head coach with Team Richmond Garner Road, the region's premier boys' AAU program. He has coached the 15 and under, 16 and under teams the past two years and will coach the 17 and under choice team this summer. A native of Montrose, Virginia, 
Lacey earned his BA in Business Administration from Bridgewater College in 2004. He was a four-year basketball letterman and served as team captain his senior year. Lacey and his family reside in Ashland, Virginia. Coaches, today we're going to uh, kind of pick the brain of Coach Lacey about his pressure defensive system. So I think you need to stay on and really kind of view the um, kind of the breakdown of how he has one of the best defensive programs in the country. So let's welcome Coach Andrew Lacey. And you are. All right, great. Coaches, welcome to episode 216 of the Championship Vision podcast. I'm really excited. Uh, we're really going to pick the brain of uh, Coach Andrew Lacey. Uh, he's the head men's coach at uh, Richard Bland College. In uh, Now, is it Richard Bland of William & Mary, or is it just Richard Bland? Uh, help me uh, out a little bit. It is. The name is Richard Bland College of William & Mary. William & Mary, um, okay. Is it's how they pronounce it in, in our name. That's great. Hey, Coach, hey, give us a background. T talk about how you were transformed as a coach. I always like to know, how did people get into coaching? Was it from playing? Was it from coaches you have, who taught you? Talk up a little bit about you and your background. Um, well, coaching, um, I kind of stumbled into the high school game. But um, once I finished playing college, um, and my college coach would put me to the side and, and like that exit interview as, as a senior and talking about your career there. And he had always said that I would make a, a good coach. And, you know, everybody has that dream to, mm -hmm. to play as long as you can play um, and, and we're not. And I tried that. Um, it, it didn't, you know, last that long. And so I got out of college. I was trying to figure out what to do. And I knew I wanted to be around the game of basketball and, and coach. So I went back, became a high school, middle school teacher and coach Davey basketball for two years. Um, and that was fresh out of college for two years. And spent two years as JV coach and a varsity assistant uh, in my hometown. And then I was blessed enough after that to become the head girls coach at a brand new high school um, in Virginia, just open to help build it. So for me, I was coaching high school for 13 years. And of that 13 years, 11 of them, I've been a head coach. Yeah, and you can you can definitely help us out because I don't know how a lot of coach a lot of college coaches they start as grad assistants you know they they start in the college game but now I think it's important for coaches to start in the high school games that's a different avenue um, how you can connect to high school kids better and high school coaches right even your in your recruiting um, it's a blessing um, I'll, I'll take it a step back coach I feel that probably that prerequisite um, a lot of times should be start out coaching girls. I think my time as a, the four years I spent as a girls coaching, it was instrumental to my teaching um, because you teach the game so much different. Um, girls are going to, you know, you got to be very, very direct. You got to be concise and clear what you tell because they're going to do exactly what you tell them. And that can really deviate from the plan. So that adjustment. Then moving over to the boys side, you know, coaching that you want them to do those things, but, athletic ability and they want to do so many other things other than what you tell them. So you're coaching athletic ability, you're coaching the discipline. And a lot of times how you think about it, looking up, it doesn't look um, that way. So my teaching became better um, in that. And I always felt that way, um, that to get into college, you you had to network and, and you had to know mm -hmm. people that's in the college game 
to get you there. And it's funny because it is really not who you know, but who knows you. Um, and once I got to the Richmond area um, and I started coaching at Verona and, and we built Verona up and you started to get a steamroller and we started to become, you know, the kids and the assistant coaches made me who I was. But then it, you came into public life in Richmond, is, you know, a metro area right here in Virginia. Um, and then I was blessed enough to have kids that play at the college level or being recruited at the college at the high level. So that exposure helped um, for there. And, you know, most of the time when you get into it, especially this day and time, our older coaches, um, I'm 38, so I'm probably people would say you're fairly young, but head coaches want assistants that can recruit at the college level. And recruiting is such a grind. It's changed now, um, but it was such a grind there before where you're always on the road, you're always trying to be in the gym that, you know, being young, being single, have, not having kids to be early, that was what that prototypical person was. So for, for us that's been in it, you know, you have a kid and, and you're doing those things or you're married, it's, it's tough for us to take that, you know, not little pay, but the pay for that and to be gone however many nights a week year-round, it's not the optimal. So it was finding the right fit for me. Um, I love it in the Richmond area. And recruiting is so much about where you are and the network you built in, in those relationships and the success we had in Virginia at Verona and playing all across the state and everywhere, that network for me was largely in part, especially as we won a state championship, I had those connections. So moving in standard Richmond area, you know, 30 minutes from, from where I live and getting an opportunity to coach small college basketball there, it helped the recruiting because now in Virginia, people know who you were. So that kind of filled us you know, last year in the recruiting. Yes, sir. And I, uh, I coach girls, so I have 30 years coaching girls, coach. So I guess I qualify, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you, you qualify more so probably than me when you, when you say years and, and those things uh, to go with it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you definitely, the girls game is definitely different, but, uh, but it's still basketball is basketball, right? You still – even though they're guys, you still got to teach them and they got to be willing to be coached, correct? Yes. Um, and I think coachability is a huge one for me, especially when I go recruit kids and, and, and we talk about character. And, and I tell them all the time, basketball is what's going to bring us together. So basketball is that common. So Coach Lacey's going to talk to you second about basketball. We're going to talk about who you are as a person, what Coach Lacey believes in as you as a person. Can you be coached? And it's that thing where I want to know how the kid is on a bad day after a loss, bad practice, coach, and shoot him out. But then I also want to know when he's on a good day because somewhere in between um, it's going to be who that kid really is. And it's and I tell coaches and players, just because a coach tells a college coach the truth about you doesn't mean it's going to hurt your recruitment. We need to know, can we deal with that kid at his, at his lowest moment? It, it, he's not playing. He's not hitting his shots. He's far away from home. Uh, does he want to go home? Is he going to bail? Can he be coached? Is he going to tough? Right. Those things that help us know, can we coach him through those moments? It's, it's not a it's not a knock. It's not going to change if he can play or not. Um, it's just on what level do we have to get on to really reach this kid and, and what type of, of kid he is. And, and that's what it is for me is, is the character. Can you be coached? Uh, 
do you are do you compete? Um, the second biggest thing would be competing for me. Um, I believe hard work and competing, playing hard, I should say, and competing are two different things to me. Kids always come to you and they tell you that I'm playing hard and you know they're playing hard because they're sweating, but I tell you you're not competing because if, if you're competing, you're going to do what you can to get the rebound. You're going to get that stop. You're going to make that extra effort play. Just playing hard, we're going to do what we're supposed to be doing and nothing extra. So you look for all those things um, that's there right now. It's a little tough to evaluate those things with kids when you're watching, you know, doing stuff virtual and, and, and this right. whole pandemic thing. But um, you do the best that you can and, and you try to make the most uh, sound decision and evaluation that you can. Coach, I love that. Uh, I love your philosophy on how what kind of kids you're looking for. Uh, but I think you almost have to nowadays because um, – you got to look for intangibles, right? I mean, you can see a kid has a J, jumper, he can put it on the ground, all that kind of stuff he can defend. But what do you know when things go bad? So intangibles are you, just like you just said. Right. It's, and I think that's the, the separation. And it's, that, it's the high school philosophy um, for me. We had to, in high school, you got to coach a lot of different kids. You don't necessarily get to pick and choose. You get to pick who's on your team, don't get me wrong. But – you have your pool, you have your zone, those kids that are in your zone that come to you, that's it. So your best kid may be a, a whole lot of rough around the edges. And you got to figure out how to meet him where he's at or meet her where she's at and coach them to be what you're supposed to be. So character has always been huge. We spent a lot of time together. And that hasn't went away um, in my philosophy. You know, that's why I would meet kids that, hey, right there, I know you're a high school senior. I know you're a high school junior. And I'm going to be up front with you. I'm, I'm going to tell you about the recruitment and how tough it is. You know, I just talked to my kids today, and I told them, I said, you're a two-year school. I said, you need to do what you need to do and research what's going on in, in the four-year schools right now with this blanketed year. And as I'm telling you this, the NJCAA comes down with their adding the extra year of eligibility. I said, because this affects you. This is your business. This now affects you. So you got to take part in, and you got to know what's going on because you got to make this decision, uh, you know, in, in two years, you know, what am I going to do? And schools may not be getting 2021 kids or 2022 kids. That affects you and where you go and the amount of scholarships. So I, I say that to say if I'm in, and when I talk to recruits now, that's my conversation. It's not recruiting them to come to play at Richard Bland. Um, that's that's the hindsight. It's me telling you the best source of information that I have to be as honest as I possibly can with you to tell you what the landscape of this is and how much of an opportunity this is. Because I don't want you to go nowhere. I don't want you to come to me and regret this opportunity and, want to, and it, it messes you up even further. But for us to ever get there, we just got to have this conversation. So I'm telling you that, you know, Division three or they got, I told my kids today, there's 18 players on the college roster, not all 18 of them are scholarship players. There's an allotment, and they go through all four four years. So kids get an extra year, it means that allotment might, might not be there. So don't go thinking just because ABC leaves, they can have it. ABC could be walk-ons. There's a lot of variables that are in there. And I said to him, I said, I also said, you know, I want to know these advisors for these high school kids now need – to advise them what the correct information, not what seems correct because on Twitter it says post-grad or juco or, or this. Advise them 
we don't make decisions for the kids. I give you the information. I want you to make the decision for yourself, but you got to be able to understand the consequence of your decision. So if today you say, hey, I'm going to decommit in this environment that we're in from coming here, you need to understand that grass may not be greener. And when you decommit, college coach is going to go somewhere else. So now you don't get nothing else. You coming back may be slim to none to get that off. And, and that's what they need to hear nobody's telling them that they think hey man i can go anywhere i want and now when you can and the school's not calling and not picking you up and you really want to know why that is the case um in there and it's tough yeah for sure and coach this this podcast is about what do you what's your defensive system you're going to teach it to us and i'm so fortunate to be here learning uh before you do that i coach girls so um and i have some pretty good players uh, what advice do you give to a young high school kid? I, I probably have some kids that don't know if they can play at the D1 level. Why would a kid play at the junior college level? I think there's many advantages to that to grow. Man, it's, it's, it's really a part of – I created this huge PowerPoint and, and book that I use as a presentation whenever I talk to a kid in the virtual world. It's great. And I bring that up because I'm always – I'm an advocate for good situations. And the stigma on junior college basketball are a lot of things. One is that you need to have your grades are bad. Because a lot of people watch mm -hmm. Last Chance U, and those kids come there from a variety of backgrounds. And, and, and part of the plot of the story is they have, they're rough around the edges, but they go on. That's one sector of junior college in the two-year school that high can help. But it also means that you take a kid, i give you a better example. Let's take it, academics can be a kid can come there. On this team, I have kids with 3.6s my, on my program right now. It's not that they have bad grades. It's that when you really think about it, Coach, think about last year. Stephen F. Austin played Duke. Mm -hmm. Stephen F. Austin beat Duke. They beat Duke. And seven of the top eight players that touched the floor were junior college players. Sure. So those guys came in, they're older. So when you think of the progression that you would take as a freshman in a college program, situations vary. So some people may play more. But you're not playing a whole lot as a freshman. You're going to play a little bit more as a sophomore. But because coaches build on programs and they want to build a program, you're not going to really play a whole lot unless you're that stud freshman there until your junior and senior year. By then, when you look at the freshman year, the transfer portal, and a ton of kids that transfer because they don't play as much as they want and they feel they don't develop, because nobody wants to develop right now. Kids just want to play. Right. So at junior college, you get a chance to play immediately for two years, and then you're playing at the college level. So when you leave, and you're playing in a college system, you're getting away training, you're playing against other, now you're much more ready. So when you – D1s and D2s, everybody has their own recruit model. Some coaches recruit all JUCO players because they're older and they want to win now. Some coaches don't touch them because they want to build it, you know, however it goes. So that's my first one is if I'm evaluating you, I want to evaluate you against the level of competition in which we, you're going to have to play at for me. And you can be a post-grad kid and you can be 19, but if you're 19 playing against 17-year-olds, I can't really gauge it. Because sooner or later, that's going to equal itself out. So I expect you to do it. So junior college gives you an opportunity multiple ways. 
kids transfer from a Division One and get around sitting a year, they come JUCO. So now you're going to play a college-level deep scholarship kid night in and night out as a freshman, and they come there. Or you get, or you have – I mean, we play kids in our league, and I had to show up my freshman that are playing at St. John's, going to play it for Penny Hardaway at Memphis, and they were in our league. We had to play them three times. And I'm like, you don't – you these assistants come to watch you play. They, they get on there. They watch – they're evaluating you play against high-level competition. So you get a chance to develop. You obviously, if you're not strong academic, it's a grind, coach. Um, I don't think it gets communicated enough to kids about the grind. If somebody's helping pay for your education, it's borderline your job. It is. So you, sure. we, we, we get a lot of hours a week to do basketball stuff. You're going to lift 6 a.m. regardless if you want to or not. You're going to work out, do your individual skill development. You're going to have team workout. You're going to go to class. You're going to do treatment. You're going to do study hall. You're going to do all those things all the way. And then you got to do that and you got to travel. And everybody's not ready for that. Everybody's not. It takes an adjustment to see if you want to get ready for it. So it gives you a chance to figure out, hey, is this, is this what I want to do? Because when when you get there, there's no turning back. So you, you see it fall off. So junior college gives you two years to develop your game, get stronger in academics. It also gives you a chance to figure out, hey, what level do I really want to want to be at? And don't just see, hey, I want to be on TV. I want to be D1. I want everybody's not D1. There's some really, the really really good programs that are D2 and D3 have kids that are recruit kids above their level, and and, and that's how they become successful. Yeah, and there's a lot of schools out there. You're right. I think people get caught up in the D1 and the D2. Um, and I tell you, the D3, man, it's there's some great basketball at the Division three level. I know schools right here close to us in Atlanta, Emory, all those schools, all those hey, those kids can ball, man. I mean, they're yes. and they're getting a great education. Let's not forget they're getting prepared right. for life. Hey, Coach, let, let's get right into your defense. Um, kind of give us a background of – why you believe in the pressure defensive system, and kind of teach us what you guys do. Um, so I, I will say I've had this system um, for a while um, that I've used. It kind of tweaked it um, throughout my high school days, and I really zoned in on it. Um, so I take pride in it because, um, you know, everybody wants to score and, and everybody coach days. Everybody's not a scorer, and somebody has to play D. And I always felt like, to me, that we get in situations a, a lot of times and kids want to run up and down because it's the AAU world and nobody's teaching kids how, how to play D. So um, the first thing for me, it, it really came down to I really wanted to stop people from scoring. And our philosophy all the time, it piggybacks on our style of play. So my foundation is I want to make it fun to kids. The so kids want to run up and down the floor. They want to press. They, they, they want to do all those things. So I wanted the defensive style that they would believe in. But at the same time, watching the game and studying the game, I understood where some of the trouble areas were um, for kids to in a high school game. So when you take a high school game, um, and I say this all the time, and it's just a tip it, I want you to go look at your high school game. And when you look at your high school game on the girls' side when I was there and you're at a level, you would probably see that girls take far more right-hand layups than they do left-hand layups. For 
sure. And so you take that statistic. So when I'm, when I'm looking at it and I'm an analytical person, for you to gain an advantage, to me, it's very simple. You just want to force them to take left-hand layups. Mm-hmm. If we get them from not taking right-hand layups and just take left-hand layups, Good point. We, we're going to, you know, our defense is going to be a whole lot better. So we can just figure out how to, how to take this right-hand layaway. So that's kind of where it started, you know, figuring out, hey, where does the team like to score the basketball and, and where they like to score the basketball, what's the best thing we can do to keep them from scoring the basketball in that area? Um, and, that, and it matched our offense. You know, our offense was easy garbage. So the first thing there is I feel that it was gave us the ability to adjust. And when I say the capability to adjust, it fits personnel from year to year. I was a high school coach when I developed this philosophy. And so I'm still a high school coach to today. So to say, hey, I do believe that you have to build your system around your talent. I do believe that. But if you're building a high school program and you're involved in your middle school program and you're involved in your JV team and you're, you can teach this system and teach your defensive system to them at the age they're at. You don't have to teach the whole principle. You just got to teach those foundations, those building blocks that you believe in. And now they're adjusting to it as they come, but they know it. And it's simple for them to know it. Um, so our ability to adjust, you know, we want to match our offense and style and play to control the tempo of the game um, for us. The second thing is have effective adjustments. And when I say effective adjustments, you know, I get it. I have talks with my assistants all the time. And I want you to, to understand that that coach that says, hey, if you're playing a 2-3 a zone, let's back up a step. Take your 2-3 zone. And you see people that play 2-3 zone. And you're in a high school game, it makes me cringe in the AAU game and, and miss that we don't teach man-to-man <laughs> principles. And right. here's the thing, coach. Um, yeah, we can watch the NBA playoffs. The Heat play a lot more zone than most NBA teams. Hey, I got it. To each his own. And it, and it varies from place to place. However, you see high school, you see high school teams press for 32 minutes. You don't see many college teams press for 32 minutes. No. The percentage of college teams that press for 30, because it's tough. Floor's wider, floor's longer, better ball handlers, height, all those other variables that go in. So kids don't know how to guard their yard. Some kids may not know how – they may be good space players, but they don't know how to guard. And, and you got to play D at the college level. So we would go back and forth about when to get out of a zone versus how to stay in it. And I always tell them, I said, look at Syracuse. They have effective adjustments. How? Behan's not coming out of the 2-3 zone <laughs> unless he necessarily has to – and he'll – you know, going to clinic and you hear him on his video say he came out of the zone one time to go man to man and the, when he was playing Pittsburgh and the lead went from, you know, them being down four to them being down 20. So changing, it, it may be subtle changes because, like I said, stopping the right-hand layup, forcing them, you know, to take left-hand layup, not giving them a right-hand layup, you know, taking away the corner three, those to me are effective adjustments. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to necessarily change your whole defensive philosophy to go from man to man to a two, three, because I feel at the root of it, the foundation of that is teams play two, three when they 
from the other team is a very, very good inside scoring team. Mm-hmm. Teams are very, very good shooting team. They play man-to-man. Think about why most teams play it. They play 2-3 because they don't want to teach man-to-man principles, but they feel like, hey, we're just going to let a shooting team shoot tonight, and we're just going to live. You know, and, and those are the things that you got to think about, you know, when you're thinking about your system. How can I keep my concept? I don't teach a whole lot of different things. Our concepts in the full court, as you see as we go through, it's going to be the same as it is in the half court. Mm-hmm. We don't teach a whole lot of different concepts. We teach it over the full court, and we're going to adjust off of that. Um, player investment. You're only as good as the people that are doing what you, you want to do and get it done. And they got to get it done at a high level. And if they don't buy into it and they don't like it, coach, they're not going to put forth the effort. So you got to, you got to praise those things. So how we got player invested, you know, invested in it in the beginning of our practice from high school to date, the first 80% of our practice is on the defensive side. Um, and how we structured it with assistants and people watching, it was very unique. Um, I have an offensive coordinator and I have a defensive coordinator. And my defensive coordinator is not different. It's very different than what you would think. They just watch the defense the whole practice. They, they have no offensive responsibility. It's kind of like the football model. Offensive coordinator watches. So for a whole practice, for a whole game, and through film, I have one coach. He has a you know assistant dedicated to just watching that and we're coaching that every single time you know rotations and and stuff that we discuss you know as we go through um so my major points of emphasis that we that we really focus on the first thing is the ball scores so you gotta each player gotta have vision on the ball they gotta see you know the old school pistols you know ball you man Mm -hmm. we we keep that we emphasize it every day our our preference is to say you're not going to hear anything or see anything in this PowerPoint that was, if you go back to when basketball started, it wasn't a principle that was there. Because I don't think the game changes because the players and the athletes we have have changed the game. But the principles and fundamentals that were built upon, those things doesn't change. I just don't think they get emphasized enough, and it depends on what you emphasize. So we still teach ball, you man. Our goal is this. You pressure the basketball the best you can, given your ability, without – breaking the rule of letting the man get between you and the basket. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the first thing. The ball can only be in one place at one time. You need to adjust yourself and align yourself accordingly if you're in help side. Hey, coaches. This is Nick Bartlett, marketing manager here at Dr. Dish Basketball. And we're thrilled to be a part of the 2020 Championship Vision Virtual Clinic. Coach Kevin Furtado has been a great friend of ours for a few years now, and we greatly appreciate his commitment to growing the game the right way and providing great resources to the basketball coaching community. At Dr. Dish, we're always here to help as well with our state-of-the-art equipment, drills, and content. If you're ready to upgrade to the best training machines in the world and join top programs like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, Louisville, and countless others, we'd love to have you as a part of the Dr. Dish family. Remember, we take trade-ins on all shooting machines, including competitors, for significant discounts. And just by registering for this clinic, you're eligible to receive an additional exclusive $300 off your next Dr. Dish purchase. For more information, visit our website at drdishbasketball.com. Give us a call or shoot me an email directly at nick at drdishbasketball.com. And make sure to follow us on all social media channels at Dr. Dish B-Ball. Um, second thing is contain the balance. You, you, 
more teams now are going to dribble drive and, and they're doing the drive and kicking. It's at an all-time high. There's some variations. So you got to contain the bounce and you got to protect the paint. You got to protect the hoop and you got to contest without fouling. Um, our rule of thumb is always here, and you're hearing said a lot. You can't get beat in the first two dribbles. You, you you cannot get beat in the first two dribbles off the bounce. It's deadly. If you get beat in the first dribble, it's deadly. If you get beat in the second dribble, it's really because right. so much help has to converge to help in that one. So you want to be there. Um, no help on the strong side penetration. Um, we weak side, we help the helper. So we, we, we really pride ourselves. We don't want to give out. We don't want no kick out threes. Um, so we don't want no kick out threes. We're going to help from behind. We'll force the skip, but we're, we're not helping from the strong side. Um, help is at the midline, and it comes from the weak side. We talk about the pistols. It's back there. You see it, we rotate. You move in the direction of the ball at all times. That's whether by drive or by pass. Five people on the defensive glass, and we really preach first contact wins. So the first person to make contact, if the guy's crashing the glass, he gets to you first, he's going to win it because he's going to control your movement and where you go. You get to him first, you kind of neutralize him, and then you, you hit and go. I'm with that. Force baseline or sideline, but we don't give up baseline. Um, but we don't really we – we want no middle drive. Um, disruptive ball pressure. We want to dictate tempo and minimize options. Um, and it's kind of that thing where if you look at it with this coach, Everybody teaches triple threat on the offensive side. When you teach triple threat, they say, hey, you can dribble pass, you can shoot. If I'm defending you and you're in triple threat and I got to figure out if you're going to shoot, dribble, or pass, that's a whole lot for me to think about. So with us, we want to take away two of those options immediately. So we know you only have to do one. So we're going to contest, you know, we'll contest in the close out to take away the shot. Now we know you're not going to shoot it closely guarded. So the only thing you can do is pass or dribble. Mm -hmm. Now we can mirror the ball to make sure that you're passing is just the rest. So now we know you're going to play on the bounce. We, we, want, we want to force you to play one-on-one. -on -one. You're going to play on the bounce. So now it's easier for everybody else that's reading that situation to know in this triple threat, two out of the three things, we got covered. You know, so this is what they can do. Communication is key. Um, it creates confidence. It minimizes breakdowns, and it's early. And this is what I'll say. Old school, we all do it. I did it when I first started. We tell our kids to say ball, help, deny. And we drill it to them. Ball, help, deny. Mm -hmm. If I told you as you're driving the car, right, left, straight, would you be effective driver? Probably not. <laughs> because you don't know what's around you. You don't know if a turn's coming up. You don't know what's behind you. You don't. So why would we communicate and give direction defensively that's not clear? So with us, that's what we talk about. Ball help deny is not enough. I want you calling my name. I want you to tell me. Cut her on the right. Watch the shooter in the corner. Back door. I got your gap help. You can get a little closer. Now we're giving direction. We're giving direction. And, and, I, and I tell kids you got to be able to listen. And you got to be able to trust your teammate that they're going to put you in the right situation and what they're telling you. Because from behind you, you can't see from behind you. Somebody's telling you to do something behind you, you just got to act. react accordingly. Rotational awareness. Help the helper move on the pass. I'm, I'm big on this. Move on the pass, you got to move in the direction of the ball. Um, we'll talk about later some of the things I feel that break defenses down. But 
you got to be able to, to move in the direction of the ball. No opposing personnel. Discipline, anticipate the threat. The biggest jump from high school to college is the scouting report. Players that want to go to the college level need to be used to understanding a scouting report, tendencies, strengths and weaknesses of their opponent. So we put that in. I ran college practices all the way through high school. Um, I wanted my kids to be ready, and it, it helps us be more prepared. But you got to know your personnel. Know where they want to shoot. Or know where they want to get the ball to score from. You know, it's good at they, they can be a shooter, but can they shoot it off the jumps? You know, are they are they a set shooter? Are they shooting off the bounce? You know, do they drive right to go to do a layup? Do they drive to the left and shoot the pull up? You got to know those things because those are going to help you make your adjustments versus trying to get out of your defense and, and, and do all those other things. Um, no time score and foul count because you can play more aggressively if you got fouls to give. Um, you know, you don't want to preach, you know, fouling or, or any of those things, but at the same time, they need to know them uh, in there. Um, our daily non-negotiables. Um, we talk about defense every day and all the time. So our daily non-negotiables is transition defense. We, we're not giving up anything early, and we're not trying to give up no layups at all. And and we work on converting and, and, and building our defense that way. Um, Defending the ball in the open court and defending it in the half court. We always talk about you got to get it out of the highway. Got to get it out of the middle of the road, and you got to get it to a side. Not pinning it to a side. You just got to get it contained so we can build our defense behind you um, in that direction. Proper and effective closeouts, we preach daily. Um, we start our practice with it. We talk about help and recover. Um, that was in there. And I think most people, if you look at high school kids, they want to hug their man, mm -hmm. and they want to be close. So they're always in recovery, then help, and you're always going to get beat. Because for us, our position is our help. So we're going to get in help first, and we're going to recover. The lowest percentage shot in the game is a three. So if you're taking a low percentage shot and we're contesting it, I like our chances. We're going to clean up everything inside. We want to keep you out of the paint, but we don't want to go to recover to try to get him to get the help from our man and then go back because now we're in chase mode. Post defense is huge. Uh, we want no paint touches. So for us, when I say no paint touches, coach, I, I mean no paint touches. And we, I let our kids know what that means. We don't want layups getting in the paint. We don't want no two foots in the paint with a kick out. That goes for throwing the ball in the post box. You don't necessarily got a front, you got a three quarter, but you got to fight like a mad person not to let the ball get in there. Um, affecting shots of all kinds, head fakes, jump shots, whatever the case may be, we want to affect shots without fouling. Uh, blocking out and rebounding um, are our next keys um, to being a, a solid defensive team. So our daily principles um, that we preach, like I say, it's, it's going to be nothing out of the sort. We want to win all defensive possible plays. Dive on the floor, 50-50 balls. We're going to communicate with our teammates. We're going to sprint back the defense with a vision. We build a wall every possession towards the ball. Uh, we close out to affect the shot and anticipate dribble drives. Uh, we keep balance and, and alert footwork at all times. Um, and, and most of that, Coach, is technique. This, these things are technique-based versus principle-based. We really coach technique. And I go back to the balance stance. You know, you see those kids that 
really get down in the defensive stance and they get wide and they smack the floor and they get their arms out and they get their hands out and they're becoming long, most of them can't move because their feet are too far away from their body. <laughs> you know, I, it, and, 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 and you attack that. And so we tell our kids, you know, you want to be in an athletic stance, you, you, your feet should be underneath your shoulder, underneath your armpit so you can move. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to move and, and be active. And, you know, it's that. And then we say to the stance, what I found out in high school, if the kid stops moving their feet and their hands, they become disengaged on defense because sure. their brain shuts down. So we always want to talk about talking active hands, moving your hands. Because as long as something of your body, you're still engaged in that moment. So we really coach that side. Um, jump to the ball when it's passed. You know, force thing to come back. Um, once your man gives it up, you're supporting your teammate. You know, help side defender must know what their purpose is um, in that one. Keep the ball out of the post box. Um, affect all shots and take it personal. We, we, we give up no layups. Um, and every player without exception must block out uh, for us. So our teaching point that we teach with this, um, they say this was, a, this was a great picture. I chose this picture when we were talking about close out because I think this is a model um, for us is you notice here in this picture, he's got the high hand, he's got mm-hmm. his hands are, 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 are wide, they say he's down, he's bent, that was there. So we're affecting the shot right now. He's affecting the pass right now. The only thing number 20 can do in this situation is what? Play on the bounce. Right. And if he's playing on the bounce, you can kind of see there's not much come to help us peel that to him. So with our closeout, we work on it every day. Um, I'll show you a couple of drills here at the end. But we infect all shots. We take the shot away first. And here's a technique that I believe in, and everybody's going to tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> and that's okay. You know, this is that high hand closeout. Do we put one hand up? Or which hand do we put up? Or do we put both hands up? And what not? And, not? and it's debatable. And it's to whatever you believe. This is just my philosophy. My philosophy on that is this, Coach. If you are offensively teaching your player to play one-on-one out of triple threat, you're teaching that player to attack the hot foot. If I'm teaching you to attack the hot foot and I'm telling you you can't look down at the floor because you got to see who's coming, you're technically going to teach the hot hand. Because if I put my left hand up on the closeout, by the dynamics of how our bodies are built, my left foot's going to be higher than my right. right. So now I'm going to attack. Think about the closeout and the person goes in the out. You force the baseline. You force them to the sideline. The person catching, they drive middle. You're like, oh, my God, we can't stop the middle. So we teach throw both hands. So if I throw both hands and I go toe-to-toe, I can guard you either way. Okay. I can guard you either way. And when we teach that, when to guard either way, Hand checking has become at a hard time. They're trying to clean the game up. I know that. Um, and, and if you have officials that listen to this podcast, I hope they don't officially Richard Brown because <laughs> they may get me for this. But you don't see fouls called with the chest. You see hand checks called with the hands. You see the pushing call with the hands. So with this closeout, and we're talking about don't get beat in the first dribble and no blow bys, on your first dribble, our kids are going to chest you up. Put a hand tie and we're going to body you up with a chest. And then when you cross over, you make your counter move, we're going to check that move up too. Now, by the time you take away their dominant move and you take away their counter, what are they going to do? They're going to pass the ball. You've won the battle. 
So we really preach this all the time. We throw the ball out. We work on the closeout. Mm -hmm. We handle the jab step. We give them two feet. We give them two steps. I give you two full steps. Why do I give you two full steps? It counters everything you, you've ever taught offensive player. Your jab series doesn't come into play on two steps, coach. Because your jab is to create space. So if I'm creating space and, two, and I give you two steps, you're jabbing. I don't need to move. I don't need to go right. I don't need to go left. You're just jabbing in air. And then I can still contest. You're still away. So we really preach, give them two steps that's there, and then we guard that's there. And we make, our, we, we make them push a tire if a pair takes one dribble without a, a bounce. So that's kind of how we defend the paint. Our ball pressure, it varies. Like I said, it, it varies on who you are. You'll see clips here, you know, some of our bigs that want to come out and guard, but they get high, and, and it was tough. But you got to be able to guard your yard, and you got to stay between your man and the basket. I'm just there. So our scoring area ball pressure, what I feel is the scoring area is, I mean, the college game changed a little bit, three-point lines there. But when they get to the top of the key, and it's where they can initiate their offense and whatever they do in their offensive action, that's the scoring area for them because they can score from it because that's why they want to do that. You cannot allow the ball handler to play comfortably. So a step above the three-point line to us is considered the scoring area. So you got to get up and, and, and you got to be able to guard it and affect it where you're not giving up straight line drives, you force them to the weak, but you're not giving up the paint, and there's no baseline. And everybody's got to commit to that. All, all, all five players got to guard the one. And then when the ball's pass, you readjust and you realign that way. Gap help. We talk about building the wall, and, and as you see, the eclipse is coming. So I help depend you, you you go back, and, and there's some success in this. Um, when you break it down, you, before UVA won a national championship, people always say that the pipeline defense could win a, a national championship, and you could win a, a national championship, but, you know, the move of blocker offense. UVA defined all that. Duke won it with years with, with help getting the gap. So you don't always got to be pressure and denying. You, you have to make it tough for the other team to score. And you really got to figure out how they want to score the ball. And when you figure out how they want to score, you got to figure out what action do they use to get those shots. And those are the actions that you got to defend and teach your kids how to defend and adjust from. So for us, the four players not guarding the ball, they got their toes on the three-point line, but they're not outside of it. So you can say, Coach, that's a pack line principle. You're most definitely correct. It's a pack line principle. But we're a little bit higher than the pack line in our help because we want to stop the drive early. I don't want you to get downhill where we really got to help to go. I want to stop it early because I want to discourage you from driving the basketball. And in high school, when you think about it, the kid sees a player in a gap, they're going to do one or two things. They're either going to pass the ball and not drive, or they're going to try to take on two people and drive through there, which is probably most times going to lead to a turnover. Um, also, in our gap help, you got to fight for vision. People cutting it or not, you always got to be in a position to see the ball and see your man. And at the same time, we stunt to the ball, but we don't overhelp. What do I mean by that? I've never seen a foul call by somebody putting their butt in the driving lane and the offensive player running into their butt as the person is going back out. So we squeeze the gap with our backside versus our hand. We, we, we square face to face, testing you, seeing what you're doing with our pistol. But when you drive in there, we squeeze the gaps with our backside so we can still see our man and point to the ball as it goes there. Mm -hmm. Hope that makes sense. Yeah. Um, recovery, your position is your health. 
So you should start and help, and the only thing you would have to do is recover. I never want you to go try to stop the drive and then go back to get your person. I want you to start and help, and then I want you to recover on the path. The only guy that's outside of the three-point line is the one that's guarding the ball. So we talk about jump to the ball. When the ball is passed, everybody moves in the direction of the ball. You, you force what happens. So you take away faces. I force you to go behind. I force you to go behind. I redirect you. There's somebody picking you up to understand where we're going. So we jump to the gap. We, we really work on it in our shell drill. We tell kids, sprint to the gap. Don't sprint to your man, sprint to the gap. And if you sprint to the gap, then go to your man, you get a lot of steals because you're playing the gap. You're standing in the gap, so you don't have to figure out what the person is doing, but you're going to move to your man. Um, now in help mode, you're supporting your teammates. Um, so our defensive staples, um, this is where we really pride ourselves on and, and our opponents not doing any of these things. I say it's a perfect case scenario, but not scoring easy baskets in transition. We really work on that um, in, in our circle transition drill and getting teams out there of not giving up layups in their open corner threes in, in transition. Not getting beat off the dribble. Build a wall, no baseline, no pal I mean, no paint. You know, that's really talking about don't get beat in the first two dribbles. Not giving up second shots. Um, five guys, you know, gang rebounding um, is what we look for. Problems defensively. If you if you go back and you watch your defensive film from the course of a season or a game, you're going to zone in on a couple of areas during a couple of times that you will probably get better. The first thing is people get stressed. Defense getting stressed, you got guys or girls in your defense, and they start to wander away, and they start to expose, like, this happens when you get tired. Players get tired on the floor. They, they, they start to, to become disengaged, and, and now you got wider driving lanes. Or the team goes on a run, and they're really shooting a three. So now they're shooting a three ball at a high rate and making it. Now you're trying to close out and overcompensate for shooting a three, and Gaps are getting exposed. So being stretched is a huge problem. We really preach not to get stretched. Poor closeout. Um, it gets blow by. You know, they, they, they close out too fast and they overrun the person. They drive right by them. Um, you get your hands down. Let people shoot the shot in rhythm. Um, another reason that gets beat. Going for fakes, jab, shot fakes. So we sit on the pivot foot. That's, that's our two-foot rule. We, we give you two feet. So we're gonna sit down. We, we're not gonna. We're gonna really teach our kids not to go for fake. Um, reaching gets you off balance and makes you small. We we really we hammer our kids when they're practicing one on one and guarding the ball not to reach and try to take it from them. What's the high school they get away with it sometimes because they get somebody that shouldn't be handling the basketball, handling the basketball. At the college level, for the most part, everybody can handle the basketball well enough not to lose the basketball. So reaching is not really going to do anything for you at this level other than get you beat and, and allow somebody to go around you. So we want to be wide. If I, if I recruit you to be 6'6 with a wingspan of 6'9, I don't need you reaching to become 6'4. Mm -hmm. um, I want you to be a whole 6'9 and, and guard multiple positions. So we, we want you to spread out in that one. Being too low in gaps, um, meaning, you know, we're allowing the drive to start, allowing them to, to dictate to us. So we want to be higher to help there. Being late on closeouts, being late in rotations, being late to trap splits, they can pass out of it. Silence. Voice gets you a head start. Um, wakes up sleeping defenders, can intimidate, no talk, no play. 
voice, like I said, the more engaged you are, especially at the high school level, the more in tune they are, they're finding you got to keep them engaged. Um, offensive rebounding gets you beat. Uh, and most of the time it gets you beat, Coach, in offensive rebounding, to me, is because defensive catch you in rotation. Right. We believe if we can keep our defense set, and playing with the shot clock helps, if we can keep our defensive set, uh, keep certain people in certain areas, we're going to win the rebounding battle um, and, and we'll eliminate it. Um, so how we break it down and, and how we teach it, we, we do these things every day. You, you got to work these areas every day. We film it. We, we talk about it with our kids. You start it with individuals. You break it down. You tell them why. And I, I see a whole lot of coaches that have one pressing concept and how they do teaching the full court, and then they go on the back end. Is this? I always feel this. What you do on the front end of your defense, you got to do on the back end. You got to preach those same things on the back end. You can't tell kids to get up and really pressure the ball and allow blow-by dribbles in the full court because you're trying to pressure and pick up the tempo. Then we try to tell them to keep the ball out of the paint in the half court. You're teaching them too many different things, and it's not consistent. So, you know, it's going to – so we teach the same thing. Contain Pressure and contain is what we say. We want to pressure, but we want to contain them. So we work on transition defense every day. Um, and, and we build it up starting one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four. We, we do all those things every day. We talk about our own ball defense, live on the catch, and we're playing in those scoring areas, the wing, the top of the key, and the corner. Why is that so important to me? Because you defend all three of those positions differently. And all your kids are going to be in those positions at some point in time, and they need to know how to guard the ball. Our, post, our guards need to know how to defend in the post. There's a chance you might have to get yourself down there and understand how to work. You just got to fight. Um, we talk about closeouts. You know, we name them Rondo, Kobe, um, Ray Allen. We got the shooter. We got the all-around player. We got the driver. Um, so we close out in the live play. We really stretch and work our pick-and-roll defense um, that was there. We, we do a lot of different things with, with pick-and-roll. Uh, how we defend it depends on what teams want to do out of it. So we work with a pick and roll on the side, we work on the top, and then we work on the flat side. Everybody does it. Um, we teach post defense. We play one-on-one -on -one in the post. We're going to front three-quarter, or we're going to trap the post. We rarely ever trap it at our level. Um, it was there. We, we kind of teach you to get play behind and, and ball up. True story here. In high school, I was so naive. I, I had a lot of size when I was at Verona, and we were winning, that we – we fronted everything in high school. <laughs> right. And when teams would shoot, because we had so much size, when they would shoot it, uh, I mean, we get the rebound. When I got to the college level, I was teaching front to post, and we were struggling to rebound defensively. <laughs> yeah. Because my bigs were now on the backside of your bigs, and they were out rebounders and getting a putback. So I quickly changed and said, hey, look, we, we, we three-quarter in this, but to the baseline side, and that's kind of what we went with. So we weren't giving up second chance baskets. So that's that thing where you got to be able to adjust. You got you got to know what you're doing, and you really got to be in tune to to the system where you're getting beat. We talk about how we defend the high post flash, taking away the jump shot and into the drive. We work on rebounding one on one, one on one, two versus two, four versus four, and then rebounding in transition. And the reason why I say that, and I say, hey, we get more practice time. My high school practice coach would go start at six o'clock, and then we'll go to eight thirty. Well, technically, film started at five thirty. We had the four and six, and they would go to 830. And we covered all facets of the game. Offensive, we, we just, this is just our defense, but we covered all facets of the game. And in order for us to do that, we couldn't teach 90 different things. We couldn't right. have a flavor of the week defensively. 
we we had to commit to this is what we're going to do and these are we're going to teach the sound and the basics of how we're going to do this and we're going to be really really good at it we're not going to try to be good at a whole lot we're going to be really really good at this people scout so you're not going to get around you're not going to be able to come up with flavor of the week and throw this brand new defense out there. there's only so many things you can do on defense right and it's all been done before so somebody's going to have the playbook for it you just got to be really good at what you do uh, sure. that way. Our shell drill, we talk about fighting for vision, jumping to the ball, screening in the screen. When you're scrambling around, talk about getting screened out in a scramble mode, what we do in there, getting defensive stops is, is what we, we preach. Situations, how are we going to protect the lead? How are we going to defend when we were protecting the lead? What's, what's the stats we're not going to give up? Think about this, chart this stat. They've changed it for how we line up on free throws so many times. And when you can leave on the release or when it hits the rim. And they're always trying to give the defensive team an advantage that they don't give up because the statistics show that some offensive team can rebound the ball off of free throws. You're not boxing out the shooter. You don't pinch down on one side, whatever. So we talk about it. So we, we, we practice that situation to go into there. You know, how to hold a lead up three points and shorten the clock. You know, we up three, what are we going to do to shorten the clock? Um, that way, if you're down three, you know, if you're down two, you know, how do you shorten the clock in those things to play? You know, out of bounds underneath and the team needs a two or they need a three or 4.4 seconds, you know, all those things we talk about and, and we teach them. We don't spend a lot of time on them, but you got to put them, you, you got to put that in your ear to the kid and you practice those situations. So when you get in the game, you're, you're triggering their memory to say, oh, man, I remember we did this that day, and it's not brand new. How many times do we get in a game, Coach, and you make an adjustment, and you drop something brand new that your kid's never seen before? And then they look at you like, huh? And you want to go out there. So we practice this, maybe not all the time every day in late game, but I expose you to it, and we spend time on it. So now when I'm sitting in a huddle in this late game situation, now I just say, hey, remember that day in practice when we were doing this? And instantly everybody remembers it. Now we're now we're talking about how we're gonna do it and execute it. You save your time out, you, you save your time in the timeout, you're being much more productive because you're not trying to draw up this great play. So you should I say that in offense, you should practice your end of the game stuff in practice and don't deviate from it. Right. You, you know, practice it every single day so the kids know it like clockwork and don't get in there trying to think you need to have an X this great X and O play. No, something you already do every day that your kids are comfortable with can work just fine. You just got to teach them. They just sometimes you just got to get it done. Um, so our building blocks day to day, we're going to build on our owner ball defense. This is day to day. We start every drill, every day after stretching with one-on-one -on -one full court. That's head on ball, containing the ball and over foot, moving your feet, forcing the guy to turn. Then we go to our closeouts live and we go closeouts into one-on-one. -on -one. Then we go uh, pick and roll defense. And then we work on our post defense and post feed, getting around front behind it, and it's a rebound. I say this, and you see a lot of breakdown stuff. So I want you to ask your kids this question, because we do it all the time. The game of basketball, is it played one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five? And you'll get a wide array of answers. Mm -hmm. And then you come back and you tell them, the game of basketball is never played five-on-five. Never played five on five. Depends on what side of the ball is on. It's going to be played three on three or two on two. Strong side three on three if the post is over there. Weak side maybe depends on where the post player is at. Back side and helps going to be two on two. 
You need to teach your kids how to play in those situations. So you see these things now, small side of games. So our one-on-one principle, we guard it. When you're guarding the ball, you're guarding the ball. That's your job. You got to guard it. If you're my help defender, you're either – you're obviously, if you're one pass away, Coach, you're playing two-on-two. Two. So you're getting your butt in the gap. And it doesn't matter where side the ball is on. If you're one pass away, you're playing two-on-two. Two. So we go from one-on-one to two-on-two, two, getting the kids to sprint to the gap and move them with the ball. If you're a help defender away from the ball, you're playing three-on-three, three, so you're on that. Hello, my name is Coach Charlie Miller, head master trainer with the TAC Basketball Academy in Dallas, Texas. I'm here to promote the upcoming Championship Vision podcast clinic series brought to us by Coach Kevin Furtado from Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. Coach Furtado is a well-respected, sought-after coach and found other coaches like him to share their best practices and secrets to success with players, parents, and teams. The clinic will provide two types of virtual clinics, lecture style via Zoomcast and on-court instructions with coaches and players. Again, my name is Coach Charlie Miller from Attack Basketball Academy, where we work with kids from third grade through high school in a positive and growth-oriented atmosphere that promotes a whole-body approach to well-being. Our programs are designed not only to improve your child's ability on the court, but also to teach him or her valuable skills that will serve them throughout their lives. That's it. It's a game. You know, four-on-four shell and all that, you can be four-on-four shell, you can do all those things. The game is played three-on-three or two-on-two. We really teach our kids how to play and be very good in that situation. And those are the principles we call on. Hey, what do you do when you're playing two-on-two? Coach, I get to the gap. Right, so get to the gap. If you're guarding the ball, you guard the ball. You don't have to worry about gas up. So we really teach that. You kind of see it right here on the next one. You know, transition deep. We play three-on-three shell. We play four-on-four shell. We play five-on-four shell. We put this stuff in the full court and the half court because our principles don't change. And we bring pressure on the front side to slow down clock, to control the tempo, to, you know, to put the ball where I want the ball to go. Um, and in that high school, is easy to do that. High school is, is easy for us to put the basketball where we want the basketball to go to help. It's tough at college because there's so, so many other factors that go into play. So we're in our team, we talk about screening actions. We work on a different action every day. You know, everybody runs some version of the flex coach. If you don't know how to defend the flex, <laughs> that's on the coach. It's not the kids right. you get in the game. All offenses, you passing and cutting and you down, if you set a pin down and somebody curls off of it, that's a version of the flex. It just don't look like it, but there's so many variations of how people run it. So you got the flex, you got the one foot high, you got the Carolina team, you, you have all those situations that we use, so we practice and we talk about them, and we do three on three with the screening and and how to fight through it and to get visions and how we're gonna handle it. Here we go. Here, to me, these are the actions that we see a lot of just in the game of basketball. You see the old Carolina T game, cross screen, down screen. And if you're trying to practice this two days before you play them in high school, it's not gonna work for you, right? Unless you got better players. So when you get women. So when my kids used to hate this at Verano, um, for sure, and even and now, when you have when we got able to have out of season practice in the state of Virginia, kids were so used to playing open gym, just coming in, running and playing. We practice, and this is our time to do the breakdown drills. So in our preseason, leading up to now, even with my guys now, we're in groups of four. This is what they work on. 
they, they're working on how to defend a pin down screen and how to defend because that's when now when I have to teach it. So when we get in the season, it's less teaching. I'm jogging your memory of how we do it. I want to build proper habits. You know, the stagger screens when you run the shooters off there in the wheel, you know, UCLA screens at the back. We we work on all of it. You know, how you handling the dribble drive, how you handling the weave, how you handling the the, the pass and cut to the ball side corner. We we work on all of this throughout our practice plan over weeks. You know, we may spin action. And then it because why? Because you're going to see that action at some point in time during your season. So you need to, in the offseason, you need to develop that plan of, hey, when I get my kids in, these are the most seen actions. These are the ones we want to rep the most in our league. Because that's your goal is to win the league in, in high school or win the state. So what are the actions those teams, the top teams are doing? Those are what I need to defend. Um, so you break it down in shell, form four, shell. That's your old-fashioned pass to get to the spot. Very elementary there. Then form four, defending actions. We're talking about pin down screen, pin down screen, pass, cut through, whatever action is. Just making sure you get to the right position. Make sure you're closing out. Then we had a drill where it's the four-on-four closeout where we throw the ball to them, kids close out to their gap, then they pass the ball around, then they rebound it, you know, and, and then we play three-on-three with a post. So we do nothing different than what you do every day at your practice. I feel like what separated us from at Verona and even now is what we emphasize. It wasn't okay for us to put 10 minutes, all right, Dave, we're putting 10 minutes on the clock, we're gonna do the shell drill. And I don't really care how the shell drill looks, but at the end of the 10 minutes, I'm gonna move on to the next drill. Our shell drill coach could take 20, 30 minutes, but we're gonna do it until we get it right. And, and, and we're gonna do it until it's done at the level that I needed it done. And if we gotta X somebody to practice that day, guess what we're X? We're nixing offense. Why? Because they all want to play offense. They all want to shoot the basketball. So I don't have to worry about getting them in practice. So I practice offense was at the end. And it was reversed because, you know, late in the game, you want to execute your offense when, when you're tired. So the, in practice every day, they were executing offense when they were tired. I got them to slow down a little bit and not play so fast uh, in that regard. Um, we work on a pick and roll defense, ball screen breakdown, bigs and guards. Um, how you gonna handle a big and little? Most teams now are setting ball screens with a big and a little to get a mismatch. How you handle that? Like you gotta work, you, you gotta teach. How you handle that? Especially when you can't switch back. You know, four and four line transition, circle transition. We do trap transition. Uh, when we trap, we got two people on a trap in the full court, and we pass out of that. And we work on recovery that's there, um, and then we and then we play the five on five that was there. Post defense. Um, Trap or squeeze, depends on what the player can do. We, we we squeeze more so because I want you to take your – I want that post player to catch and I want him to use his dribble early. Right. As soon as he can use his dribble, it cuts down on his option. So we'll squeeze it, you know, right there on the play side with a hand in there to make him use it early to force the action a little bit. Um, front three-quarter, um, guard post, break down guard getting in the post to, to learn how to do it. Two on two with two post players, you know, you know, three on three with the guards down there helping them in there. Um, so I favorite before we get to the film part, um, our favorite, my favorite package drills um, here, as I'm telling you, is the two on two stun and recover. Um, so we started, if if we go um, into the first, oh, hope I can go back. Yeah, so we we go into the first block that we see. You know, the coach passes to it, to the wing, to one, 
whoever the player is on the wing, we get the closeout. Two gets himself to help. Because technically, two is two passes away. So nobody's guarding free. We get to the help line in the midline. On the pass back to the top, you see two spreading to the gap. Doesn't spread to the man because that's going to create the gap that we're trying. Let's make it a stretch. And then you can see in the last one, he gets to the gap, and as coach is passing it to the three, he fans out to the two. He, he now fans out to the wing. And one, follow the pass, jumps to the gap, and goes in. So we rep that. It helps us the individual defense really knowing that. And it's really their footwork getting to where they're supposed to be. Um, one-on-one closeout. Uh, we put them on the wing. Um, most of the guys happen there. Coach passes that so they close out from the elbow. Really work on the closeout, giving them two steps, and then they go live one-on-one from right there. Weak side awareness. Um, this is one of my favorite drills um, that was ever that I've seen done. Um, I picked it up from VCU um, when Shaga Smart was there and whatnot. And with the weak side awareness, we only play with those two guys on the backside, really training them to find the ball, what to do with the ball is a way. So when, you, when you're starting this there, you see one has the ball, but he passes it to two, three gets in the gap. It's the same concept we taught him where in two on two. Get to the gap. Four slides out a little bit. When the ball's passed to, to the three, four gets in the gap. Three closes out. When the ball gets skipped, they both sprint to get on the help line because now they're three passes away. So now they're playing three on three principle. Now when you get that baseline drive when we talk about that rotation, three steps over to take away the drive and four drops down to cover um, with three left. That's help the helper. And, and, and you see it. So we really work this a ton um, just to get our kids where they're supposed to be. Four on four um, with this. Our four on four shoulder, and this this is that close out to the gap. Uh, when they close out, they get to the gap, they swing the ball, and then we get the player to take a shot, and we got to go find our guy to box out with that um, in there. And then circle transition is how we do. We put them all in circle on the opposite end of the court. They run around. We toss the ball to the point guard. And they got some action in transition, but our guys got to sprint back to cover it up. One thing that we do is we take our point guard, our one and two, three, four, and five always crashes the offensive glass for us. But in our defensive transition, we want to be set down. So we always take the one and the two, and they go back to the center circle, and they stand on one, stand on one side of the center circle, the other one stand on the other side of the center circle. And they pick up the outlet passes come. Whichever side it's on, they get over the top of the ball, and the other one slides in. So now they're truly playing three on two, and everybody else loads to that ball. It's kind of like giving direction okay. um, in that regard. Um, so what does it look like? Um, that's here. So let's see if I can go um, here. So. Got a couple clips um, that's here. Can you see those, Coach? I can, yeah. It's not up yet, but I, I can see it. Yeah, it's working. All right. Gotcha. So, so here, so for us, we want to control tempo. And, and I did this in, in high school. With, with, you really want to force to get a 10-second call. 
in college, we wanted you to play with a short shot clock. So we wanted to get you close to 20 seconds getting across as we possibly can. So it kind of helped our defense out on the backside as best we can. So here we're going to talk about some of the principles. You can see now that one, this guy's guarding the ball. That's his job. This guy here is in help. You know, and these other two here, yes, it's, it's a 2-2-1 two, two, look, but we, we play a man-to-man. Now ball goes there. You can see everybody move in the direction of the ball. He's starting to slide. He's, he's, got a, he's got an open stance down here at the bottom too much. But you can see now he's in help. He's on there. He's on the help line. The same principles we teach in the half court. This, this, is, this looks really, really good. Ball goes back around. You see everybody moving in the direction of the ball. And, and that's what we are. We got it controlled. You can see everybody peel. You can see close out. And you, and you can see moving. And, and we rep this every day. It's not by happenstance that – and those, all those guys on the floor except for one are freshmen. They were first-year college players. And, and you see us, you know, we come out with a rebound. So here we go in transition. You can kind of see us load to the ball. Um, you can see the one and the two. Now they got it contained. Now we're we really working gap principles and, and where we're going and, and moving in the direction of the ball. Um, and, and they force a, a jump shot. Coming again, like I said, we, we find you, you, you got to get the ball covered first. And the person guarding the ball makes everybody else because now everybody else knows who they have to cover and who's open and where we got to go. Coach, are you trying yeah. to trap and rotate out of your press or? It's just uh, just kind of just, I guess, at the college level, you just kind of, you know, work the shot clock. Is that right? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a couple of triggers that we have um, that, that we do. So we talk, we, we talk about trapping the turn. So we, we, we're going to trap you if you don't see us coming, and we're going to trap you if you pick your ball up. If you pick the ball up here, we got some clips and you'll see it. If you pick the ball up right in here, we're really going to get you uh, in that regard. All right, this is right. So that was it there. Uh, let's see here. Go back to – here we go. Because you were just asking about it. Um, it's like the, the other ones would really show you our, our how it looks in the half court. But here – We got a, the possession. Now you can kind of see different action. You can see them three-quarter on there. They get to the gap. We handle certain actions differently, but you can see the closeout. You can kind of see we try to keep rebounding coverage the best we can. So here, kid hits it. He gets it contained. You, like I said, the top guys are playing two-on-two. Two. And there's your, there you go. Yes, it's a bad one. It's a flip. When you watch it, he turned his back. He got to a dead zone. Kids in the great help side, we were always going to give up the skip. And our big kid back here, we were always going to give it up. Controversial call here. I feel like he double dribbled, which was a turnover. <laughs> and, you know, they got it. But, hey, we, we forced a shot on the backside. We forced two misses, you know, quick early in there. We picked the tempo up, you know. It went from them playing slow. To, you know, under control, we pick the tempo up a little bit, and it's all discipline. You know, we, we really want to be disciplined. You can kind of see them talk and point to where they're supposed to be, and everybody slides to the ball. 
like I said, you pick it up. Like I said, it's not complex at what we do, mm -hmm. um, coach. It's very simple, but it's tough when it's disciplined because kids don't know what to do when it's not chaotic. You know, they struck. So here we are guarding a bounce. You know, you give up a long three in transition this early. We we win we win those type of possessions um, for us that was there. Like I said, here we go. Everybody's moving in. And to talk about adjustments, if you watch this game, a simple adjustment was, I think, the possession before. This guy streaked through the middle and nobody was around him. Now you can see where his kid has now gotten in there to take this away. He's going to force the skip because we can recover from the skip. Right. Yeah, yeah right. And, you know, you get those air passes. Like, it works out. He guards the drive. There was a great one there. You know, we talk about the kids working. See if I can go back to this clip. Um, we talk about the kids working the chest up and taking the driveway. This kid really did a good job. He put his hands high. You know, he didn't let him turn the corner on the drive. So as you come here, you see him guard the ball, guard mm -hmm. it. You see his hands go up. Right. You know, now he's affected. He, he just affected the shot, and, and he got to miss. You know, we, we take that possession. You know, those are the – and that comes from us doing this every day. Um, and like I said, these guys are, are, are freshmen that are getting it done. Um, here, like I said, they, they got it contained, and nobody's reaching and everybody's disciplined. You know, it really gives teams a fit. You know, there's the, there's the two feet. They understand how to handle – certain actions and, and, it, and it helps right. when you got six nine you know your, your point guard <laughs> six five and he can come from the weak side you know and, and he can block shots um that's there um here's a here's a couple of us in the half court um we got better as freshmen going along. You know, the toughest thing is trying to get everybody to communicate the same way um, when they come to the college level, which is really, really tough. Um, but you see the staple. Um, so and I say this, team scouters. So teams know you're gonna, they, they're going to get this alignment. So you watch a ton of different games, Coach, of this alignment taking place. Yeah, a little three out, a little three out, yeah. And we see it, so we practice. But they see us in an in a even front. And I believe this, you teach it every day. If you see an even front zone, you're going to go odd front. If you see right. an odd front zone, you go even. So our kids rep it every day, and they understand how to handle it and to stay intact as best that we can. So you see his hands go up, you see everybody come back, and you see him, con you see him contest um, that was there. I, and I feel like they were really this – this became a really good defensive team later in the year. But you can see the amount of discipline. You, they don't get beat in the first two dribbles. Uh, they give just enough space. You can see gap coverage. You you can you you see a whole lot. You see them talk. Um, it's there. Like I said, I, I was really really in the key. If you see it, um, to say you always see our three, four, and five down around the basket for rebounding coverage. That's that's kind of where we want to keep intact. If those okay. guys get anywhere. Huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but what I'm seeing is on your closeouts, because we're really working hard on our closeouts this year, 
it looks like you guys are staying on the ground, which, which is, it, this is like you're, you're, um, you're getting up on closeouts and getting out of position. Right. Like I said, we, we, we want you to shoot jump shots. Like we, we, we want you to take a jump shot and we know who the shooters are and your range. So with two feet, you should be able to contest really well, still be able to, to box out and all those things that are there. But, Yes, we, we rep it every day. We stay down. Like I said, we, we practice close out. It's like you might as well call it an extension of our dynamic warm-up, to be honest with right, you. So, sure. Because that's what it is. Um, because it's so important to what we do. Because that's what's going to get the ball controlled. Your closeout is your first line of defense. When they pass it, improper closeout is going to trigger a whole like, that domino effect. I'm just there. So here, here's our transition. You can kind of see them get it covered. You see hands go up. You see him load to the ball. There's another really good – he was really good. He got better um, for us. But as we slow-mo this, you can see his hands go down. His first drive, you see him take away the first move. The kid crossed over. He gave him a step, and he got – he sat on him. Um, and he didn't really give him anywhere to go uh, with that. That's just the discipline. And it took a lot of work to get him there. Uh, but you see, like I said, we match. There's a, there's a big, you see them fight to get mm -hmm. over. They close out. You know, we, we contest without fouling. That's a huge thing for, for us in our practices. It was there. We got to be able to contest shots without fouling. Here's another one. You know, we, we run it. We get out. They control it. You can see the kids. That was, a, that was when they got beat. You know, the big gambled a little bit to try to stop the drive instead of staying at home and he got exposed. So we got unraveled. So we're not perfect. Um, but for the most part, you can kind of see it's really telling them, you know, high hand, what to do, where to get in the gaps. We want to take away as much as we possibly can um, on people. Yep. And, it, and like I said, it always helps when you got somebody on the backside coach uh, <laughs> that is a, a tremendous and he's going to play um, at Virginia Union this year. So that yeah. really helps us, us a lot. But nonetheless, coach, that that's really all it. that um, that we have. Like I said, I, I encourage the people that's listening. We do. I do. I did write a book uh, about it. The book goes far more in depth. It has a, a lot more drills. It really gets down to um, the variations of the drill, what we do in it, the teaching points, um, trap transition. It has a whole lot more. Amazon has them. You can get the Kindle ebook. You, you can you can buy the hardback book if you want. I have copies. You know myself. You can shoot me an email. I should go back to that slide. Let me do that. Um, sure. Put my yeah. contact information up. Um, for 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 everybody, um, and I'll have it on the podcast there. too, Coach. I'll have it for you. Okay. As well. um, that is there. So with that, um, here there's my 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 contact information. Uh, you follow me on Twitter. Um, we put stuff out. I do contribute to Fast Model um, offensive plays, and when I do a lot, but I give you my. Um, my personal email for Andrew Lacey basketball and my RBC email um, for those guys, high school coaches out there. If you have kids um, that are looking for opportunity to play, this under the we like under the radar kids. 
because um, I think they have something to prove. They listen and, and they work a little bit harder. Um, my, my own personal podcast on iTunes, Spotify, except the book information. Um, please feel free to to send me a message, whatever the case may be. Talk about if you want to learn more about it, coach even, even yourself um, to about basketball and just our concept uh, of what we do. Um, let me know. Um, if, if we ever get out of the pandemic and you want to come up, you know, you, you, you're sure. in the area or some strange reason you come up um, as that. But um, I appreciate you for having me um, as well. Coach, man, I learned a lot, man. I love how there's so many different ways to, to play defense. Uh, I tell you what I learned is we're um, – we, of course, I, I said before I coach girls. I mean, we're out there, there – we're, we're out there forcing wide, pressuring, um, and I'm really like, you know, uh, we got to really rely on help defense, man, because we're really forcing – forcing wide, we're forcing to the baseline. We got to really rotate pretty hard. And there's a lot of times we're not there, but we also do a lot of trapping. So we're forcing these girls' teams to make tough decisions because a lot of the girls' teams can't handle. But that's different. That's the high right. school level. <laughs> but, 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 Coach, you, 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 I, I challenge people. We were blessed, and I, and I, and I won a few that, that was really, really blessed to win a state championship. And, and people say – Man, you have yes, we have really, really good players. I don't want to take anything from them, but you got to get really good players to really buy in to playing defense. And I felt it was done being simplistic. We always talked about undisciplined plays versus disciplined plays. Don't reach, don't you know, false effort, false hustle. Right. If we're gonna trap, we love trapping, but it's certain areas we're gonna trap because I feel like certain areas on the floor you can recover better. And it was more so about the recovery versus the trap. I feel right. like if you trap in the half court on the wing, you can't recover. It's one pass and you're giving up a bucket. But if you trap in the back court, you can recover from it and still fix it on the backside. You know, mm -hmm. those are philosophy based, but to go back to that, you get that. In girls basketball, they generally have one dominant handler. Yeah. That person's gonna handle the basketball. So for you to win at that level, you just got to get the ball out of your hands and never let the person get it back. And you have a whole lot of sense, you know, the right-hand layups or, you know, where they shooting these threes from, the corner three or the top of the key three, we really work hard. I got drilled, Coach. There's a team in our league. It's a driving kick, the car, and whatever. And they shoot a ton of threes, and they can't shoot them really, really well. We could not beat them. They beat us four times in one year. For over the course of there, you would hear Ron and Elsie Bird, and you look it up, and we play these battles all the time. And they were really, really good. And they're so really good. I have some. I've recruited two of their players to come play for me, and we talk all the time. But they could shoot the ball really well from three, and they would put shooters in the corner, and they would drive us crazy because they're driving, they're kicking, and so we preached you know, no corner threes. And then if it wasn't right. a corner three, it was no top of the key. That team, we give up the wing three, you know, and, and whatnot. So it changes and what you, you're willing to live with. But it was, it, it was just, it's a tough one. And, then, and like you said, it's, there's no right way. One night is going to be one thing. And then the next night is going to be something different. I just don't believe you need a flavor of the week to say, hey, I'm playing two games this week. I'm going to play this team and this defense. On, and then on Friday night, I'm going to play this team and this defense. I think your kids, the, 
they play harder when they know more and they get confidence in what they're doing and they buy in. And then you can get creative to do whatever you want to do with that. Yeah, do what you do, right? But you do have, like you said, you better practice those situations, those defensive situations, but you got to do what you do. I totally agree with that, Coach. Yeah, um, you, 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 think about, think about it, Coach. If, if I we practice more, I say this, and this is a, I study successful coaches, not necessarily basketball. I'm a, I'm a huge Nick Saban fan, and I'm a huge Bill Belichick fan, and I was a huge Urban Meyer fan. Mm-hmm. And the reason those teams, to me, are as successful as they are is because they work on their self more than they work on you. They work on their self and what they do. They're going to be really great at what they do, discipline execution. And if they're really good at what they do, it's going to be tough for you to beat them because they believe in what they do and their kids believe in what they do. And that's the model that we take. We're going to do a small thing. We're going to be really, really good at it. And we're going to wrap it, wrap it, wrap it, wrap it, wrap it until you get tired of it. And then we're probably going to wrap it some more. But <laughs> you're going to come in every day. We're going to know the drills. The drill is going to be the same, but our point of emphasis is going to change. It's still going to be the same shell drill, but today we may be emphasizing Boston. That's kind of how we get the variety. But you're still going to see the four and four shell. Then we're going to go back to the old one. But everything's a building. We, we teach it and break down, but that's Coach, thank you so much. I know I learned a lot. I, I definitely want to get your book, and I definitely want to listen to your podcast. So I'm looking forward to connecting more with you. So um, right. I really appreciate it. I learned a lot uh, to help us this year, but also I learned a lot about your program. And uh, you're just a great up-and-coming coach, man. Uh, I, know you're you, gonna man. Be some, I know you're going to be somewhere sometime, man. I know you're doing great where you are right now, but uh, you got a great mind for the game. I appreciate you joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And, and definitely, um, Kevin, you know, um, if you, we have you, we have contact information and whatnot. So we can deal with email. If you shoot me an email um, and we're not in the mailing address, man, I, I'll mail you. Um, I'll mail you a book um, and whatnot. So we, we can communicate, set that up through there. You'll probably get it a lot faster than dealing with Amazon right now with all this exactly. going on. <laughs> I, yeah, I just ordered some camp balls for my little kids, and I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. Yeah, so uh, with that, if, when they when you when they hear this, if you shoot me an email, you know, we, I have 20 copies of it um, myself personally, and and we can figure out how to get it to to the people that want it, that listen to this. You shoot me an email, and uh, we'll figure it out as well as for you, Kevin. Just you know, shoot me shoot me your, your your mailing address, and I'll make sure I get that out. And I'm I'm positive you'll get it before you get it from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll definitely promote. I love promoting coaches and what they do. So, uh, Coach, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining me. And thank you, I, man. I wish you the best. Thank you, and same to All you. Right. Take care, Coach. And I and, and I I'll, I'll plan. I, I got some kids that we're recruiting in Georgia, around yeah. that Atlanta area. So I'll pull up your schedule and definitely try to check you out when I when I make it to town. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you my schedule, Coach. Absolutely. We got a good little girls team, you. man. You'll be shocked at this little school we have, man. <laughs> All right, I will do. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Coach. Uh-huh. This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. 
I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential. Hi, this is Kirk Gilsdorf of Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast, Kevin Furtado. Keep up the great work. Coaches, hello. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. I am the director and uh, founder of Championship Vision Podcast. Uh, we are doing our first annual Championship Vision Podcast Clinic Series. Uh, the clinic series is a one-of-a-kind basketball coaching instructional clinic. We'll have the best high school basketball coaches in the country sharing their secrets to their success of their programs. We'll have two types of virtual clinics, lecture and on-court instructional. Both of these will be done to provide you the best instructional resources to improve your basketball program. The lecture series will be a Zoomcast instructional <clears throat> program done with the highest of integrity, who will have the best high school basketball coaches in the country giving detailed analysis of their programs. The on-court instruction, this will be recorded videos of specific basketball topics done on court from some of the best high school basketball coaches in America. They will be conducting drills and skills with their players in an on-court instructional setting. All of these great coaches are first class. They are all nationally ranked coaches and programs. <clears throat> the clinics will be available on October 30th, 2020. You can purchase any time before that date. The clinics will be emailed to your address on October 30th. You can also purchase the clinics after October 30th on my website at www.championshipvision.org. Here are some of the clinicians and speakers for the clinic. Coach Lynn Farello, head boys basketball coach at Paul VI High School in Chantilly, Virginia. He was a 2020 nationally ranked program, 12th ranked program on Max Prep. His topic will be building all around players. Coach Tim Hayworth head boys basketball coach at Mayo High School in Louisville, Kentucky, four-time Kentucky State champions, his topic, zone offensive sets. Coach Rob Buechler, head boys basketball coach, Eastern High School, Sardinia, Ohio, topic, off-season skill development. Coach Jerry Finkbeiner, former Utah State, Oral Roberts, and Southern Nazarene University women's basketball coach, the topic, the Twilight Zone defense, which he created. 
Coach Mike DeVilbus, head women's basketball coach Lewis and Clark State University in Southern Idaho, former Illinois assistant women's basketball coach, former assistant women's basketball coach, Wisconsin Green Bay University, and current athletic director at Lakeland High School in North Idaho. His topic, the buzz defense. Coach Jeff Graham, head girls basketball coach at Bilt High School, Bilt, Montana, six times Montana's girls basketball state champion. His topic, individual workouts and competitive shooting. Coach Gene Durden and his son, Kobe Durden, head girls basketball coach, Buford High School, eight-time Georgia High School state champion. Kobe Durden, assistant girls basketball coach at Buford. The topic, Buford's post-pre-practice drills. Coach Danny Brizard, head boys basketball coach at St. Thomas More Catholic High School, Lafayette, Louisiana, career record 1,021 wins and 134 losses. Topics, building a complete program and winning skill development drills. Coach Rhonda Farney, head girls basketball coach at Georgetown High School in Georgetown, Texas, sixth all-time lead. It lists and wins in 1,183. The topic, sustaining success at your program and also the combination press. Coach Joe Lombard, former head girls basketball coach, Canyon High School, Canyon, Texas, 19 state high school state championships in Texas. His topic, full court pressure defense. Coach Stephen Mackey, founder and CEO of Two Words Character Development. Topic, how to develop a character development curriculum at your school. Coach Charlie Miller, head coach with Breakthrough Basketball, founder of Attack Basketball Academy. And also Coach Jim Huber, head coach with Breakthrough Basketball. The topic, holistic basketball, a unique approach to looking at all aspects of a basketball player, mental, physical, and emotional, and how to integrate all of these in developing a complete basketball player. Coach Jarrett Hunsinger, head girls basketball coach at Boonville High School, and Coach Greg Bisher, head boys basketball coach at La Plata High School in La Plata, Missouri. The topic, the 1-2-2 ball press. Coach Doug Porter, head women's basketball coach, Bethel University, Meshaqua, Indiana. Coach Gary Smith, legendary men's basketball coach at Redlands University in Redlands, California. Topic, coaching the system. Coach Zan Lahudney, Inducted into the Texas Basketball Coaches Hall of Fame in May of 1999. The great basketball coach, three state championships in Texas and seven state runner-up titles at Victoria East High School in Texas. Topic, competitive winning basketball drills. Coach Nicole Dixon, head girls basketball coach, Holy Innocent High School, Atlanta, Georgia. 2020 GHSA State Single A Girls Basketball Champion. Topic, one body, many parts, valuing and empowering coaches and players. And Coach Kevin Furtado, <clears throat> head girls varsity basketball coach at Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. The topic, transition offensive drills and hop shooting technique. So <clears throat> if you want access to these, uh, I will be sending out a link to a Google form sheet. You fill out if you want the complete series, $29.99. And if you want individual uh, clinics, it's $4.99. So you can't beat this. You got some of the best coaches in America 
for this price, it's unbelievable. All Zoom clinics, all recorded clinics for you to view. So, hey, I'm looking forward to um, having you guys contact me. You can contact me at my email address at furtadok57 at gmail.com, or you can call me at 478-461-4403, the Championship Vision Podcast Clinic Series. Stay tuned.